Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You, hosted by Toby Jenkins, a marriage and family therapist associate serving Central Kentucky. Each week, Toby will bring you a show with a topic related to mental health, relationships, or self-improvement. The name of the show, Paradigms, comes from that moment in the therapy process when a profound shift in perspective happens for a client, an epiphany sometimes accompanied by physical reaction that leads them to look at things differently and make significant steps towards improving and enriching their lives. Listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. This is your host, Toby Jenkins, and today my guest is Sean Morrison. Sean Morrison is the owner and founder of Shine the Chef, a catering truck out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And to be fully transparent, Sean and I go way back. And this interview stems from a conversation we had a couple weeks ago when, um, well, first of all, I'll add that um, there's nothing more refreshing to me than seeing someone who is doing what they love to do. And as I reflected back on my relationship with Sean, he's always loved food. And uh, like myself, he's taken um, a not so direct path to doing food and uh, spent 20 years as an IT consultant and was very good at that and has always dabbled with food. And my early memories of Sean and food go back to eighth grade when you were experimenting with cooking different recipes and things even back then. So welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so like I was saying in, in your intro, um, out of college, you uh, became an IT consultant. And um, can you talk the audience through your path uh, with working that, doing that kind of work and with food? Yeah, so really my food path started when I was seven years old. And it really stemmed around my grandmother and, you know, the elders of my family and even my mom. Um, they all cooked, and, um, you know, I remember those days of having the family all around. And so I always kind of cherish that that portion. On the flip side, um, you know, in our generation, we were taught, hey, you need to go to college. It was kind of not an option. Um, so, you know, be, me being a kid who grew up without a lot, my notion was to make a lot of money. Um, and we went to the – I remember going to the library, and we looked looked in that occupational health or occupation, some kind of occupation handbook. And uh, I picked out the one that made the most most money without going to school the rest of my life. And that was like engineer. So that's what I chose. And that put me in the IT field. And so I began to pursue that. But food always was one of those things that I did. It was just a part of me, um, no matter what, even through college, I cooked, um, even after college, I cooked and um, eventually, you know, came to a place where I felt like I wanted to do it full time. Mm -hmm. And so I took a few stabs at that. Okay. And so you've, um, you've had a couple of forays into food while still maintaining your IT work. What were some of your early forays into food like while still maintaining a full time paying job, as they say? Yeah. So my first kind of paid food um, adventure was around um, the 9-11 
catastrophe happening and I got laid off along with a lot of other people in the DC area and just happened to be at a party one day or excuse me at a friend's house who was having a party and uh, she really didn't have things under control I said hey where's the food you want to do I took over and people began to ask me for cards um, the same thing happened like the very next weekend and so I went home or more like went to one of the office supply places, um, got the little perforated uh, cards you could print out, made up something, put it on a um, you know a card. It was called Southern Hospitality. Mm. And so it began because I had a huge kitchen in my home. So it was kind of like an underground thing. But at the same time, it allowed me to make money um, to get by. Wow. So you were able to transition um, during this time you were laid off and um, cover your expenses through cooking and catering. Yeah, I, I kind of combined it between cooking and catering, and then um, I think I was getting like an unemployment check, and then um, shortly after that, like a, maybe about three months later, I started doing some part-time consulting again, um, like 20 hours a week. So I was spending 20 hours a week at night doing the consulting and um, however many hours necessary during the day to get whatever I need done um, with the food. Wow. And so you needed more than 24 hours a day to, to manage this balance. And you still got it. Isn't it. It's amazing sometimes when we look back on the things we have to do, how we're able to do them. That sounds like um, you put in a lot of work in this period of time. Um, to make things work, as a lot of people had to do after 9-11. Yeah. Um, so many people that, um, that have a passion, uh, like you mentioned earlier, um, very few are lucky enough that their passion is what they're able to do. Um, how were you able to maneuver um, getting into doing what you're passionate about full time? Yeah, so, um, you know, so the, the food is just a God-given talent. Like, I don't even know where it came from, in, in all honesty, in the in the way that I've been able to grow within it and, like, just know certain things without ever having truly studied. I mean, I study, but not in the same way as some people who, like, you know, go to culinary school. Um, so... The other side of that is even working for people, I just never felt comfortable working for someone. I always wanted to work for myself. Um, I always felt like that was my ultimate path. That was my ultimate goal. And, um, you know, eventually I got to the point where I was like, I just can't, I couldn't do it anymore as far as working and consulting. I kind of capped out with what I was, you know, willing to do. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't willing to give up some of the, character and put in some of the work necessary to climb the corporate ladder further than I had already done. Yep. And um, it just didn't make sense to me given what I was seeing. And so um, the other part of that was my, you know, I understood myself and that I needed to get away from the corporate life and remove that safety net in order for me to actually really and truly you know, jump in with both feet and, and you know, have that leap of faith. Um, because I had done that, before, you know, 
trying to work both before, I knew that I could always go to consulting and not really give it my all. I see. But, you know, by jumping out there, like I had to remove that safety net and give it my all. And I just, you know, just took the leap. That's a scary thought <laughs> because um, especially after, um, I guess, having a pretty consistent income. Um, and I like that perspective of um, – removing the safety net um, and jumping full in. So I'm sure there are aspects of it that were pretty scary. Um, but, you know, the other side of that is uh, I'm assuming that um, it had to be amazingly freeing too. Um, so, Absolutely. so yeah, what was that part like for you? Um, you know, so the first thing that comes – and I think this is true for anybody. You have to have a vision, right? And the vision was always there. Um, and also there was some plan, right? Some level of planning around it as well. Mm-hmm. And so when you have the vision and somewhat of a plan, it makes it easier for you to make that jump. And so I always tell people, hey, you know, what's your vision? And then do some planning around it. And when I when I made that leap, it absolutely was freeing. It's like, wow, I'm not tied. Like it really took me a few weeks to be like, I'm not tied to a laptop. I'm not tied to a desk. I can actually go in the kitchen and just do what I do. And, um, you know, I, I, I began to enjoy it. I mean, there's a lot more work. No, no doubt about that. There's a lot more work. There's a lot more risk. Um, but, to know that I can bet on me and do things the way that I do it and, and do things that make sense and, and work towards my vision. It just felt great. That's awesome. Um, and so, I mean, I think the important message out of that is that um, it wasn't a blind leap, but it was definitely betting on yourself and um, taking more control, um, taking more control of the work you do. You know, I've, I've, I too have a similar kind of work life. Um, I work for myself primarily and um, most mornings I can't wait to get out of bed. Um, So, and because, I mean, and I still have to write out and make a plan for what I'm going to do, but um, it does make a big difference doing things um, for yourself and fulfilling a vision. And I would bet, and I've not seen your vision and your plan, but I would bet that your vision is probably bigger than just the food itself. Yeah, the food. So <laughs> the food is like minuscule in the in the plan, right? The food is one of my missions is to show people. You know, I use I use food to, I guess per you know, pass love on, right? Because if you think about those times in your family and in your experiences around, you know, large meals or events, food was always present, Yeah. right? And that was a kind of a uh, signification of love. And, and, you know, you saw what the, whoever was cooking the time and effort and, you know, that kind of thing that they put into it. And so I felt like the food is really, one way for me to begin to touch people and that's what I decided to do and um you know I love cooking but honestly am I going to sit in the kitchen every day no (laughs) (laughs) I have I have tons of other things that I want to do that are not related to food 
necessarily. And really, um, you know, I'm trying to get to a point where I can enjoy life more. And that doesn't include working every day. Right. right. I want to, I want to work, but I also want to be able to get out and enjoy life. And I think you can do both and be fulfilled. Absolutely. We're up against the commercial break and we'll be back with uh, Sean Morrison, owner of Shine the Chef, after this break. This segment of Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You is sponsored by Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy, walking beside you during life's challenges, providing therapy for couples, families, and individuals. Find us on the web at www.jenkinscft.com. Join LAX 18 and the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity and experience unity and the promise of hope. Don't miss the 25th Annual Unity Breakfast, January 21st at 6.30 a.m. at the Bluegrass Ballroom inside the Lexington Convention Center. This event is a celebration to honor Dr. King's call for peace and unity. Lexington leaders will lead presentations on Dr. King as an educator, spiritual leader, civil rights advocate, and humanitarian. For more information, visit alphabetalambda.com. And we're back. You're listening to Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. Um, today, my guest is Sean Morrison. He's the owner and founder of Shine the Chef um, and an excellent cook. And uh, before the uh, break, uh, we, were, we were talking about the, uh, the safety mindset. Um, and given that we're the same age, um, we were both given that same message when we graduated from high school and our parents kind of kicked us out of the nest. And um, during that time, the, the vision was to go work for someone else and make enough money, um, and you had a guaranteed uh, check. And so um, branching off on your own, there's not that safety. So um, how did you uh, get to the point where you were comfortable, or maybe not comfortable is probably not the right word, but how did you work through that or undoing that safety mindset? Yeah, um it really came down to uh, a couple of things. One, it was just a gut feeling like I, I just can't do this anymore. And really that gut feeling came out of the fact that I had to ask myself, what is it that I really want? And how do I really want to live my life? Right. And so a lot of times we have notions of what we want to do, but we're too afraid to actually make moves because it will cause us either some pain or, you know, some type of work, really like real work that has to happen. And so I asked myself what I really wanted and I knew that it wasn't to continue to sit at a desk. I knew it wasn't to continue to work for someone. Um, I knew that my financial freedom um, that will lead to my kind of, you know, being able to use money as a tool uh, to live my life better would only happen through the through me jumping and, you know, taking that safety away. So at yeah. that point, it became a little bit easier. And to your point, it's never comfortable. Um, but then when you are comfortable, you also get complacent and you don't, you know, move as you should and you don't, um, you know, take steps as you should because you're comfortable. So I have a question. So you mentioned uh, being afraid and the pain. How much uh, judgment did you get from people that you know? Because um, I, I would imagine if you had told someone, um, I'm going to leave 
IT consulting and I'm going to start catering and cooking. I would imagine you had some people that may have laughed, snickered, rolled their eyes, said you're being foolish. Did you get any of that? Well, actually, um, in, 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 from most people, no. Um, because what ended up happening is, um, through other ways, I kind of began to shrink my circle of, I'll say, influence and of friends and family that I associated with. And so um, I focused on having more positive people. Now, I would say that I'm probably one of the, you know, a rare case in that because I, I was more worried about that um, than anything that people would think I was crazy, you know, because I, I took a leap nut with nothing, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was a, no, I'm finished. It wasn't a, oh, I'm working both until I save X amount of dollars. Oh, I'm doing this until this happens. No. I literally was like, I'm done. Here's the laptop. I'm, I'm going, you know, I, I put a few things in place in order for my business to be legitimate and to be, you know, to get started. And that's what I did. And um, so I, I, I will say that anyone who does that, you know, you have to pretty much put those things out of your mind. No one knows what's best for you, but you. Yep. Um, yeah. And you'll find that your spouse, your mother, um, a lot of times those people who are closest to you are your biggest doubters in a way. Yep. Um, and, yeah. and I don't think it's, I don't think it's a matter of them truly doubting you. I think it's the fear that they have because maybe they wouldn't make that move. Yeah. I mean, right. sometimes their intentions are good. Um, but you know, in your case, all you had to say was, Hey, taste this. <laughs> like yeah you're doing the right thing Uh, you know it made me think about one of the one of the transitions I made was uh, staying home with my kids and I remember feeling really apprehensive about telling people before I did it and uh, I actually tried it out um, to see what kind of response I'd get and um, it's amazing what people will say to you with good intentions um I mean, I got everything from, is there something wrong with your kid? Uh, oh, you got a, you got a sugar mama. Oh, you must have lost your job. And um, men tended to look at me, like look down at me. And so yeah. it was um, it was interesting, very interesting. But, you know, the people around you, like you said, um, you have to be able to um, think for yourself. And uh, people say some funny stuff to you with real good intentions. <laughs> yes. I mean, one of the biggest things I've learned is, you know, you're going to have doubters. You're going to have, as they say, haters, whatever. Um, the thing that you need to do most is find your tribe and find that group of folks that is right, you know, that's going to support you and that you can support them as well. And they understand what you, you know, what you're doing and know you well enough to know that that is the right thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's very important. Very, very important. So, you know, the other thing with this, um, you, you mentioned, um, having that self-belief, um, and being pretty single minded about it. You know, I often think about this is, (laughs) there are many aspects to our lives. And I think about this in terms of running because, um, I do distance running and people think of running as being a physical endeavor, but it's way more than that. 
And so I've found that um, working on my own is that as well. And so um, how, um, how, how have you managed uh, to like emotionally, psychologically, physically um, keep uh, everything together while working for yourself? Um, well, I mean, really, uh, it goes, okay, so first of all, the emotional aspect of this and your, your mental, your psyche, like all these things go together, how you feel, your actual physical health, um, you know, you have to listen to what your body's telling you, you have to listen to what your gut's telling you, and really, most of all, um, we have to really work on our self-awareness and, you know, within that mindset of saying, I'm going for this, you will find that sometimes things aren't as, as easy and you may have certain emotional hangups, um, mental hangups. And I think the key to my success has been trying to get to the root of those things of understanding, you know, there have been times where I'm like, okay, Sean, you should be out doing X, Y, and Z and selling and networking and whatever. And yet I wasn't doing it. Mm. And so I had to understand, like, why are you not doing it? And, you know, in some cases it was just feeling like, you know, maybe I wasn't worthy of the success that I felt like was coming my way. Wow. And so I had to really look at, okay, well, why do you not feel worthy? Mm -hmm. You keep asking why and digging and why and trying to understand those things because those are the painful things that keep us in a fearful place, keep us from being successful when we have every, you know, avenue, reason, right, and we are worthy and able to be successful. But we'll, we'll kind of keep ourselves from it by, you know, either some type of self-sabotage or by not doing the work to understand ourselves emotionally and mentally. Wow. So when you got to the bottom of your why, uh, what was your why? Um, a lot of it went back to, you know, abandonment issues um, from what I originally thought was just my father, um, but only to do some more work and understand that it came from also my mother. Mm-hmm. And then um, also it really manifested itself in my marriage. Um, and that had a huge effect on me as well. Wow. So you started with your um with your father and mother. Um can you tell us more about um the presence or your your relationship with your father and also with your mother? Yeah, so um my father, I just really didn't know him. I just I heard things about him. I met him probably first when I was around I don't know, it might have been eight or nine, and then probably saw him at like 13, and then maybe 20, and then um, I must have been like 35, 36 before I actually. Um, on the flip side of that, though, I would always hear, you know, things he was doing or said or whatever. Um, it was pretty, pretty bad because. My grandparents, his mother and my grandmother from my mother's side lived within a mile of each other. It might not even be a mile. And I actually rode my bike when I was at my grandparents, would ride my bike by her house 
pretty often because that was part of one of our regular routes. Mm -hmm. And to know that you have another family that has nothing to do with you. Wow. Um, and it stems from your father was, was a pretty, you know, compelling thing and pretty hurtful. And I guess as a young man, um, say early before you're 20, it's hard to make, I guess you can't make sense of that. And I, I would also say, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for, especially when you're younger to think you're the cause. It's, That's right. um, you know, I'm the reason for that. Um, and they all live within a mile of each other. That's uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you remember. Um, to had a he had a re reality show some years ago, and um, that really hit home with me because father lived across the street. Wow. And he didn't even know it, and that I mean that rocked me pretty hard. Like I totally. You got I, it. I'm sitting there watching. TV and tears, and I'm like, wow, that's just crazy. Here I am thinking I'm bad with, you know, a mile, and his father's across the street. Wow. Well, that, um, man, I hate to take a commercial, uh, commercial break now, but we're up against a break. And uh, after this segment of One Minute Insight, we'll be back more and talking through abandonment um, with Sean Morrison, um, owner and founder of Shine the Chef. Uh, food truck. We'll be right back. This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You, and this is One Minute Insight. One of my favorite statuses on Facebook is it's complicated. And it's one of my favorites because so many times in life, we prefer binary choices. Either something is all one thing or all another thing. But in actuality, a lot of things we encounter and a lot of situations we face are not that simple. It's complicated. However, for many reasons, and I think some of this is part of our survival instinct, it's easy to put things in categories so that we can respond properly. However, through many of life's challenges, that locks us into being emotionally rigid. And what we need in most situations is being emotionally flexible. Because when we're emotionally rigid, uh, it limits our choices to move forward and work through the situations that we're working through. So if you find yourself making binary choices, I would challenge you to think about it in more complex terms and it could be a little bit of everything. Uh, we're back. You're listening to Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. And this is your host, Toby Jenkins, and my guest today is Sean Morrison. And before the break, we were talking through uh, how on this journey of being an entrepreneur and, and making a business out of Sean's passion, uh, he was confronted by his own issues of abandonment um, and making sense of it. So uh, before the break, we were talking about the proximity of your father and his family um, to your mother, um, to your mother's family in the town they grew up in. So um, how would you describe your relationship with your mother and how this fits into abandonment issues? Yeah, so my mom, you know, she raised me pretty much by herself, right? Mm -hmm. um, single mom, you know, I think she figured out very early that she needed to go get it on her own. Mm -hmm. 
And I think from a woman's perspective, that's a pretty, you know, powerful thing. And, and it kind of manifests itself in, in a lot of women because they feel alone um, and that they have to do these things alone. So anyway, um, you know, my mom and I had a good relationship, um, very much into working, right? I yep. get my work ethic from her and my grandfather. Sure. Um, and that's what she had to do. So there are a lot of times where, you know, she couldn't pick me up from X, Y, and Z game or whatever. She couldn't be at X, Y, and Z game because she had to work. Right. Or, um, you know, I spent a lot of time by myself because she had to work. And so after school, I was at home by myself. Right. (laughs) Which, which, awkwardly enough contributed to a lot of my cooking Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so like there's a blessing in that right Um, yeah and so i think so then the other part of that is her raising a young boy Mm -hmm. right trying to raise him into a young man so she was never really soft with me i mean she stayed on me night like night and day was just on me Right. Yeah. So I did. I never really felt like I got that nurturing side of my mother. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that as as I began to do a lot of work around the relationship with my father, I think, you know, what ended up happening is I started to see some of that same stuff um, as far as abandonment and different things coming from my mother. Right. Mm. Yep. And so. But it was a little bit different in that I was smart enough to realize that because of the task that she had to do, she, you know, it wasn't that she didn't want to be nurturing, right? It wasn't any of that. And I'm sure that she had her own things that she needed to deal with. And I think we we have to recognize that, right? A lot of us blame our parents for this, that, and the other. But we also have to remember that there are people too with their own issues. Yes. And um, you know, when you really look at it that way, you can understand it and also be in a place of forgiveness. Right? If you if you need that, then you know, if you feel like, you know, you're really blaming them, you really need to forgive them. And the the other side of that is if they weren't like they were, mm-hmm. they there's probably some things that would be missing in your life in the way you are. So I know that for a fact, the cooking and the skills that I, I honed were really self, as you said, self-taught because I had lots of time. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. I had lots of time to go and mess up a lot of food. I also had being an only child had a vivid imagination yeah. Because, right. So that uh-huh. allows me to create so many things just off of, you know, off, off of the cuff. Like I, I literally can cook off the cuff, just throw me a bunch of stuff and I'll create something. Right. So there's always blessings and there's always good that comes out of those things that we associate with the negative. You, I'm, I'm kind of snickering because I've had this very conversation with multiple clients um, over the last six months. And um, we uh, we tend to underestimate the influence of our childhood and these very same decisions that um, 
our parents had to make. And one of the things uh, my wife and I talk about quite a bit because we all have these uh, kind of issues is uh, keeping in mind that um, our parents in most cases did the best they knew how to do with what they had. And, um, and um, your mom had a very, she had a, had a big choice to make. Um, you know, I was um, working with a client not too long ago and um, he, um, he's now a father himself and he was wanting, was complaining about uh, the lack of, the lack of being a grandmother that his mother is. And so, so I asked him to tell me, uh, well, tell me about your mom and tell me about your childhood. Well, it was, it was filled with abuse. Um, she got pregnant really early and um, there was sexual violence and physical violence and, and some uh, drug dependence. And so my client at a very early age had to go out and earn money to, uh, I think he was around 12 or 13 to take care of himself and his little brother. Um, so he, and if you saw him today and you talked about the work work ethic, this guy has an incredible work ethic. And, you know, had things been different, uh, he may not have had the same kind of work ethic he has now. But, you know, the flip side of that is that, like you were saying, um, his mother has stuff to – she has to work on herself. And so um, that forgiveness is really uh, important. And uh, it's not a natural reflex to forgive and to be able to forgive it. And also just to be able to say, for this guy to say to his mom, um, thank you. And I know what you've been through. I know what you're working through. And um, and to still love her unconditionally because she is doing the best she can. Um, uh, and she's got work to do. So, um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think about that with my own kids because even with my own kids, I am, you know, there's some things from my from how I was parented I am fleeing from and some things I've incorporated. And I don't know when my kids get older, um, they'll need to go see a therapist as well <laughs> to undo some of the things that with good intentions uh, my wife and I have tried to do. Um, right. Yeah, and that, there's something else that I've you know, you just made me think about um, that I wanted to share that kind of came out of the kind of growing up um, in the situation I did. You know, a lot of people, you know, being a young black boy, you know, not so, you know, not having much, um, a lot of people seem to be against you and tell you you're not going to be much and da da da. Mm. And so, for the longest time, I would say probably up until I was about 35 or so, that kind of created an anger in me, and, a, and it drove me into, like, it, it compounded my work ethic because I felt like people were always against me. Yeah, and you were going to show them. Then I was going to show them that they were wrong, and that worked for so yep. long until... I didn't have anything else to show. Wow. <laughs> right. And yeah. that was one of the things that I had to deal with as well, because at this point in my life, I don't have anything to prove. I've had big houses, car, expensive cars, all the nonsense, right? Mm -hmm. I've had that. So that the material things no longer mean anything. Um, 
and now at this point, I'm not working off of that. That that fire is is pretty dim, and you know, pretty much doesn't show up anymore. Mm-hmm. So I had to find something that was, you know, something else that was a motivation motivator for me, and that really came down to figuring out what I wanted in my life, how I wanted to live my life, and wanting it bad enough to make those moves. Yeah. Wow. And doing it and taking away the safety net. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that safety net keeps a lot of people trapped. Um, very much so. So, um, you, you cut, you linked, um, so you're working through identifying, um, these things that hold you back. And, um, how do you, uh, how do you gauge whether you're making progress or not? Um, well, a lot of times it comes down to, for me, it's seeing it and understanding it. But also, you know, a lot of times we have uh, an, an inner feeling of something that's not right. Yeah. Right. And then so many of us would choose not to listen and not to look. And because, you know, you may have an inkling of what it is. Mm-hmm. And we avoid it. we try to avoid it, but there's no avoiding it. You know, you well, let me rephrase that. You can avoid it, but eventually you'll find that it does affect almost everything you do. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've taken the the flip side of it and anytime something comes up that doesn't feel right or something that, you know, there's triggers in our behavior that we, we can, if we're, you know, in tune, we'll notice um, in the way that we act or react to different things that, you know, says, oh, wait a minute, there's something there. Mm-hmm. And I've just said, you know what, every time that happens, I want to understand it. Because what I found is as I go to try to understand it, I become more enlightened. It brings me more peace. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that, yeah, it may cause me more pain initially. But then after going through the work of it and trying to understand it, and it, it takes time, right. um, that I always come out feeling so much better and my life becomes just better overall and more peaceful. Yeah. Well, we're up against another uh, commercial break. And, you know, when we come back, when we come back, um, you know, you bring up a, a very important issue about abandonment and um, – Given the number of families where there's only one parent uh, heading the household, um, I see a significant link between some of the things you identify and some of the broader community issues. Um, So let's jump into some of that when we get back. Um, We'll be back. Uh, You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You, and we'll be back right after this break. This segment of Paradigm's Insights into Relationships and You is sponsored by the Parker Relationship Center. Working to better relationships for individuals, couples, and families. Find us on the web at www.relationshipcenterky.com. And we're back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights and Relationships and You. Um, I'm your host, Toby Jenkins, and my guest today is Sean Morrison. Um, Before the break, we were talking about uh, how you've gone deep into understanding abandonment issues from your childhood and um, how they relate into you being able to um, fulfill your dream from a entrepreneur and business standpoint, um, also relationally. But you know, while we were at the break, 
I think a lot of the issues that you are discovering and doing the doing the hard work to understand about yourself are present in a lot of our communities and our culture right now. If you think about um, the number of homes that are headed by a single parent. And so we, we know from a mental health standpoint that um, there's a certain expectation of your mother and your father being responsive and available to you. That's kind of the crux of attachment. And so when that attachment isn't there, um, we do feel abandonment. And so if you look at some of the things, that, as I think about the things I see going on in relationships and and in the community, um, it's just overlapped with these kind of abandonment issues. So, so you mentioned um, you you lean into the pain and try to make sense of it. And so, um, you're talking before the break about um, kind of how that work looks like. And so, um, how do you gauge? You, your improvement, whether it be from a business standpoint or in your relationships, how do you, how do you gauge whether you're improving at this or not? Yeah. So, um, I mean, really it, it comes out in my day to day. Um, it comes out in the way that I respond to things. It comes out in the way that I want to get up and, you know, do something great every day, um, be a blessing to someone every day. Like it, it really comes out and just how you feel on a daily basis because you'll notice that you know some days you don't feel so, so good like so we all know that there are days where we don't want to get out of bed or you, you might feel like that or you just you know you're kind of running slow but then as you begin to work through these issues you just become a happier person and a more effective person and I, and I think that's for me that's been the the telltale sign is oh wow like because I understand that, and I know I'm no longer, um, you know, holding on to that. So let me, let me kind of I'll put it to you this way: at the beginning of the journey, you may have a, a bag that you're dragging that weighs two tons, and as you go through this journey, you know different weights are taken off and out of that bag, and as you move forward, you'll notice that the bag gets easier and easier to pull. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's really how it feels. It's like, man, I'm not carrying this weight, and it keeps getting lighter. Yeah. And it, as I can move faster, that allows me to spend that energy to do something within my business and to do something that helps my family and to do something that helps my friends and to, to just feel joyous and, and happy and, and really move in ways that you, you know, you didn't think were possible right. and get away from the negativity. And like, as you become, you, you kind of get to that point where you can fly because guess what? That two tons is no longer on you. Right. Right. Um, now, is this a conversation you've had with your mother? Um, I have not. Uh, I thought about it because I often wondered, you know, what she thought. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually have been kind of, you know, going back and forth in my mind whether or not I should, mm. um, because I feel like in some ways, so I know that my mother loves me and she loves me dearly. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do I know? Um, I've heard it from 
some of her friends um, that I'm the pride and joy. But also, man, you know, my mother has helped me. Yeah. And from a financial perspective, um, in this business, uh, you know, because I um, I'm recently divorced, she's allowed me to stay with her, um, take on my kids as well, being in her house, which I'm I'm gonna say is a is a feat for her, mm-hmm. <laughs> Not, just because you know when you haven't had kids around and they're messy and whatnot. Um, you know, that's, that's, she's a very clean and orderly lady. I'll say it that way. And, and um, my mom puts limits know. on how long we can come visit. Right. See, exactly. <laughs> she says, y'all come visit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, um, so, you know, it's almost one of those things where I feel like if I had the conversation, it would be more to express to her that I understand it, but also that I appreciate her. Okay. Right? Yeah. And then, and and then maybe, just maybe, um, it'll spur something in her to do some work if she hasn't already, right? To free yeah. herself from different things that she may be feeling guilty about or maybe hanging on to. And I was about to say, if anything, um, there may be some guilt, um, and, and you know, this being a parent yourself. Um, you don't want to leave uh, anything. You don't. You want to leave it all on the field when it comes to your kids. Um, out of, I had a similar conversation with my mom um, a couple years back. It was actually probably maybe my kids were maybe three or five or so, and um, she apologized to me, and she apologized to me for the things that she felt like she let me down on, and quite honestly. I had not thought they were letdowns at all, but um, I know that's something that you think about as a parent. And I know your your mom thinks about that as a parent. Um, yeah. It's a, you know, if it's approached from that standpoint, I think you've framed it very well in terms of being um, a, uh, a life giving conversation that could bring you closer um, because um, you know, uh, you can't protect your kids from everything um, or that's prepare right. them for everything. And she was doing the best she could with what she had. And that's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, the work you're doing uh, just on yourself is amazing. And um, I admire your, your toughness and your curiosity and really wanting to get more. Uh, you know, the other thing that I'm always amazed at when I talk to small business owners is that often your goals are not about financial success. It's about touching people with what you enjoy doing and what you're passionate about and what you've been um, blessed to do. Um, now, from that standpoint, I follow you on Instagram and Facebook, and I see the pictures of the food that you prepare. And where I live, I do not see food trucks like yours. So how would you describe your food truck and the food that you prepare? Yeah, um, so I consider myself, from the food truck perspective, I say I'm the food truck for foodies. Ah, okay. Um, I have a lot of pride in the work that I do around the food. And... um, I also, you know, as we talked about earlier, have a vivid imagination and I study different cultures like 
Um, you know, right now, food is my my gateway to the world mm. um, mm-hmm. and experiencing different cultures. So I study their food and I basically try to recreate that and then twist it into things that are mine. Right. And so that sounds cool. um, <laughs> that's the, the thing that you will always know is I will not put out a bad product. Mm-hmm. If, it is, if I will not eat it and I'm my toughest critic, if I will not eat it, I will throw it in the trash and burn the whole thing down before I give it to you. That's, that's, that's how adamant I am about it. So, um, you know, that, and that's been my biggest challenge because people are used to a food truck that, um, you know, does one thing. Right. That's what I was getting ready to say. They, you either get tacos there or tapas or chicken yeah. or barbecue, but um, you, your, your food truck isn't like that at all. Yeah, and and that's been, you know, originally I did not have that message. And it literally came to me in like, I don't know, I was in the shower or something crazy like that, that really, because it it was really bothering me. Mm -hmm. And so I I wanted to, you know, share that. And then from the catering perspective, you know, it's the same thing. I have that same model about making sure that I have a great product no matter what it is, whether it's chicken nuggets or prime rib or, you know, Chinese food or whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, I think that's the difference um, yeah. in what I do. Um, I care about it. And I, you know, because one thing I know is you can go to a party and two things that change the party, good food and a good DJ. <laughs> you for sure. Right. You go to, you go to a party you can have great company, but if that food is bad, you're like, man, did you taste that so and so? Yeah, no. Or you were you so yeah, and, you were so yeah, right about that, right? <laughs> but if you, you know, and so that's that's the other aspect of my business is I try to, especially when I'm doing like private events um, in people's homes and different things, I try to create an experience, mm-hmm. right? It's not just about throwing some food at you; it's about creating an experience because whenever you eat my food. I want it to take you somewhere or remind you of something, or I want you to leave with a positive feeling so that you can, you know, you'll always have that memory of the food of that, you know, event of whatever, you know, it brought up for you. Yeah. Sounds like a lot like what your grandmother did. It's exactly what it is, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, You know, yeah, my grandmother always had like people, you know, at my grandmother's funeral, it was crazy because they were like, you know, Aunt G or Miss G or whatever always had a plate of food for us. And it was always such good food. And, you know, that's the way she spread her love. And, um, you know, with them being my, my grandparents are, you know, big influencers in my life. Yeah. And um, that's the thing that stuck with me the most. Yeah. And it shows, man. Yeah. Well, uh, Sean, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show. And um, I never know where these interviews are going to go. I kind of know, but then I don't know. But um, I often end up saying um, at the end of it, at the end of a show, if we've helped one person gain some insight and make a positive change in their life, then this time was well worth it. So, um, absolutely. So you can find Sean the Chef on 
the internet at shinethechef.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at shinethechef uh, as well. There are mouthwatering photos of uh, Sean's uh, catering and food from the food truck, and um, it'll make you hungry. <laughs> and if you're looking for if you're looking for a caterer or a food truck, uh, you can reach out to them on any of those uh, platforms. Um, you've been listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships, and you and Listener Mail is up next. You've got mail. You've got mail. You've got mail. Today's Listener Mail comes from Patricia. I'm a 42-year-old divorced mother of two. I got divorced eight years ago and have been dating my boyfriend for four years. My boyfriend, who is 48, continues to send me mixed messages. One day he wants to marry, the next day he doesn't. My boyfriend is the only child of a protective single mother who thinks her only son can do no wrong. My boyfriend has told me he only plans to introduce the woman he's going to marry to his mother. And I have not met her or too many of his other family members. My friends tell me I should get out of this relationship because he's a mama's boy. Are they right? Well, Patricia, um, I have to say I think your friends are right. In therapy terms, from what you've written, some of this sound could be described as, um, from a Bowenian standpoint, as being enmeshed. Meaning, there's not a clear line between where your boyfriend's identity begins and your mother's identity begins. The other thing that's also quite possible is that your uh, boyfriend has never really functioned as a son to your mother, more as a pseudo-husband. So I'd also suspect his mother has probably sabotaged other relationships that your boyfriend has been in. So there are solutions to this, this issue, but it does take some intentional work. And one of those things might be enforcing firm boundaries and I maybe to say it differently, uh, for your boyfriend to put his mother in her place in terms of being her his mother and not being the third wheel in your relationship. And so if those things don't happen, it'll be like being married to both of them. And so um, and that can be pretty miserable. Good luck, Patricia. I think your friends are right. about today's guest or future episodes, you can find that on the web at www.paradigmradioshow.com. You can also get weekly one-minute insight on Instagram at toby underscore paradigmradioshow.com. And if you would like to tell us about a therapy story or pose a question to be answered on air, you can email me at toby at paradigmradioshow.com. Thank you for tuning into Paradigm, insights into relationships and you with Toby Jenkins. Join us again.